This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. And today on Women's Lives, Women's Stories, I'm speaking to Gayson Tavat about her amazing new film, The Justice of Bunny King. Kia ora, Gayson. Kia ora. Bunny King is such an amazing character. I was so moved watching the film. She's real, courageous, rebellious, flawed. What drew you to her character? Well, I, I thought that in New Zealand we you know we we, we, we don't often have uh, female centered stories that are driven by a woman like Bunny, woman of her age, mm. ordinary everyday woman who are sort of sh- depicted in a way that is uh, just real, you know, and I wanted to tell the story of this really flawed, complicated, real woman um, in a situation that a lot of women often find themselves in. Mm. And just sort of, you know, draw her out into a character that um, people could really relate to, and in a world that is reflective of the world that we do live in right now. Mm. And regardless of anyone's uh, in the audience experience of uh, challenges around poverty and um, violence, that the kind of the everyday dealing with bureaucracy or frustrations or systems that was a really strong theme through it yeah yeah I mean I think it's something that most people will have to deal with at some point in their lives I mean maybe they they're getting by now right but at some point you know you're going to have to be dependent on you know the state in some way whether it's as an elderly person or uh, you know a sick person so it was really just um you know, in this instance, it's a it's a single mum, a mum trying to get her kids back. Um, so yeah, it, it just that was that was kind of the world that we inhabited, the mm. world that I wanted to show. Mm. Mm. And that another thing I loved is it wasn't a it wasn't a romance. It, you know, it was two strong female leads, um, uh, a mother and her niece. Mm, mm, yeah, mm. it wasn't a romance, but in many ways it was a love story. Um, and I always think about it as like um, Bunny is an action hero. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in in um, you know in, in action films, that's always you know I have to save the world. But in this instance, it's we're in the real world. She's an action hero in this real world, and she has to save her kids, you know, and get her kids back. And 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 that's the. That's the fight. That's the struggle. Mm. Um, so she's sort of constantly um, in this mode of trying to figure out a way through or, a, you know, a way around something. Mm. Um, so she's, as a result, she's incredibly inventive <laughs> and sometimes quite audacious and funny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean yeah. that's it's 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 not a it's not a. Um, I didn't want it to be a, a kind of a. A dark film, but you know, of course, there's dark themes in it or heavy themes in it. But at the same time, there's this beautiful levity and love and joy about the character that um, I think people will really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's not wanting to f- pigeonhole a film at all. Like I know there's that 
often people say, oh, it's a woman's film or it's it's, it's going to be a sad film or it's... But actually, I felt touched on all levels, the strength and the action and uh, and the sadness and the darkness, um, but humour and I was right along all of the, as it was unfolding. Yeah, there's a lot... I mean, it was deliberate. It, there's, a, there's a lot of light and a lot of shade. Um, and it's also, you know, Bunny's a single mum um, and... It's you know I don't think it is just a woman's film. I, I think it's a film that men will relate to as well because there's a lot of guys out there who are single dads that mm. that find it a struggle, and then there's a lot of guys who are raised by single mums or grandmas. So you know there's a there's a lot of relatability to her situation. Mm. Absolutely. And I read a review of how the review was saying how beautifully, while the dark things and the sadness are there. They they gently are revealed, and it's gently because a group of us went out afterwards and we were all talking. Like, and that remember when that bit happened? And when that bit happened, I'm not going to give away anything. But it's like, like, like we think it's sort of going something, and then another layer gets unrevealed. Yeah, it's the it's the trick of trying to tell a good story. I guess is um, creating these kind of knowledge gaps. So. Yeah. The audience have to work a little bit and go, you know, and we as and as things unfold, uh, the audience gets to connect the dots. So, not everything's spelled out. So, I, you know, I, I kind of like that sort of style of storytelling. I suppose where uh, it's a bit more rewarding for the audience. Mm, mm. And I get you see yourself as a storyteller. What were your influences? What were your early influences? What did, what do stories mean to you? Oh, um, well, I mean, I, I started out life um, uh, working in the camera department and I'd always wanted to be a storyteller and when I was a kid I was very much into writing and creative writing and creating stories and, um, you know, I would hide away and write in my, <laughs> write in my notebook. Yeah. But... Um, and was that fostered around you, like um, with family or school uh, or any... Maybe school, yeah, yeah. I had some great English teachers and drama teachers at school so I really you know I really sort of fell into the arts I suppose when I was when I was younger you know um, we still had um, photography as a subject at school where you know you could go into the dark room Mm -hmm. and you know I had a camera and I could develop my own stills and print my own photographs and and that was kind of magic you know part of that um, what what kind of images did you like to capture Uh, I I kind of did um, still lifes really um, and just photographed and also photographed other students and yeah anything really that took nature anything that took my fancy I just sort of yeah it was more a place just to um, uh, sit, sit in the quiet and uh, see the magic of something appearing mm. you know when, you, when you're agitating your, your photograph and you see that blank piece of paper come to life and an image come on it you know appear on it it was always quite magical to mm. Me. Mm. and what what made you choose film school as a direction? Was it that experience with photography? Yeah, yeah, it was actually. I came out of the photography course and knew that I wanted to work somewhere in between drama and camera. Um, you know, there, w- there weren't a lot of women directors around. It just didn't seem like something that I was plausible, even though that was very much what I wanted to do. So I, I you know, thought, well, I've got this photography skill. Maybe I can get into the camera department and find my 
find a circuitous route yeah. <laughs> into directing, which yeah. is what I ended up doing. Yeah. And how did then opportunities come along with commercials and and TV shows? Hmm. What was the evolution of that? Yeah, well, I um, I started out doing commercials. Um, it was a it was a way a way in, I suppose, and it was a door that um, opened for me. I was very lucky, and I you know I, I still do commercials from time to time. Um, but it, you know, learning to make TV commercials, I suppose, is a is a, a wonderful lesson in efficiency because you have, <laughs> you have to um, connect with people and and get a, a story or an idea or a concept across in thirty seconds or sixty seconds. So you know that was a that was a great learning ground. Um, and then I've also done some long form television drama, which has also been great because you you know you often have to learn to shoot uh, very efficiently and quickly. Mm. Uh, because there's often not a lot of time, you know, because of low budgets and things. So learning to, to work fast has been important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> important uh, learning ground, you know, going into a, a low-budget feature film. And I know you've worked overseas as well. Mm-hmm. Were you tempted to, to go and live? Did you have time living away from New Zealand? Um, there was a point where we were going to go um, and maybe do um, a stint overseas Um and we both, my partner and I, uh, both had our work visas for the States. We got our, um, yeah, I think, I can't remember what it's called, your O1 or your green card. And uh, But my partner's father got sick, and so we decided to hang in there in New Zealand. And we actually ended up moving to Thames. Yeah. And um, we love it there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I have, as I said, seen your Instagram, like, beautiful images of a rural life. Yeah. Yeah, um, beekeeping and beautiful dogs and lambs and yeah, yeah. It's not as romantic as it looks no. on Instagram, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we um, fishing, we, fishing. Too. Yes, oh, I do love fishing. Um, what do you love about that world? Uh, it's 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 a wonderful step away from um, from I guess the the pressures and stresses of life. You know. I think it's important that everybody has, um, you know, a place where they can have that time out, um, you know, in whatever industry they're in. I think particularly in the creative industries, um, something that's only really being started to talk about now in the conversation is mental health. And I think it's vital for our mental health that we, um, you know, that we we find those, those that kind of space and those places where we can um, check out, take care of ourselves and... Yeah, have some time for ourselves. Absolutely. Um, mental health is something I've long lived with myself, with depression, and um, while I know nothing about the film industry, you know, I imagine that intensity of undertaking a creative pursuit, um, but also a lot of time pressures and, and stress and money and budgets and, mm. and, and getting a team of people to operate together. So wonderful that you have that space to come back to. Yeah, yeah, you, you need to be able to do that. I mean, the film industry is quite unique because um, it is a high-pressure industry. There are incredibly long hours, and um, it asks a lot of people and of their time, um, and it can often really um, isolate them from their own families and friends. You know, the, the crew becomes your family, you know, by all intents and purposes, because <laughs> you're with them, you know, 
so many hours of the day and then mm. when you go home you know your family after a while are like oh who are you mm. <laughs> I haven't seen you mm. um, so it's yeah it's really tough on crew and I think um, you know we all need to start looking at how to um, look after each other and look after ourselves a bit better on film sets mm. in that regard I was really interested to read that you were one of the co-founders here, SWAG, Screen Women's Action Group. Mm. Um, What's come out of being involved with that for you? Um, Well, that kind of started up as a a response to uh, Me Too overseas. We sort of... um, You know, we saw everything unfolding and went, oh, we have that same problem here too. Uh, why don't we do something about it? Mm. So uh, myself and a group of other local uh, women filmmakers decided that we would start up a group called the Screen Women's Action Group. And we held um, a couple of grassroots forums where we invited women in to come and have a discussion about it, essentially. Um, and out of that, we we How developed... did the forums go? They were good. They were they were really positive, actually. Um, it was interesting because we were very cognizant of the fact that we were asking people to come along and publicly be in this space. So we, we wanted to create a very safe space mm. uh, so that people did turn up, and they did. Um, but, you know, I got to, you know, the conversations progressed a lot to where we are now. People will talk about it, but back then, you know, there was this um, concern that people might not even show up because they felt too vulnerable speaking out. Yes. Um, everybody was afraid of blacklisting. Uh, they still are. Um, but we were able to have a conversation, and out of that, um, we we took recommendations from people at the grassroots level. And so we developed a, a program, and those programs were developed into courses, and um, those courses are now being run by ScreenSafe. Um, they're called the Professional Respect um, training courses, which people in the industry um, are taking up and doing. Yeah. Excellent. Well, one of the things I've certainly noticed is the development of an intimacy coordinator. Is yeah. that the right term? Yeah. 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 And seeing that um, listed on in films or plays that I've been yes. to see. Yeah, no, that's super important. Um, and that was just starting to get a little bit of traction. All those conversations were starting to happen just as we were rolling out and we realised that it was super important for actors uh, to have that kind of safety, the safety of an intimacy coordinator. And so we incorporated it into our recommendations and it's a part of our course. So we've got the wonderful Tandy Wright and Jennifer Ward-Leyland and the uh, Actors' Equity were right behind it. So it was a way that, um, you know, two different um, organisations that are part, you know, under the same umbrella could sort of work together mm. Excellent. And I'm very conscious of this, you know, say it's your film and you're a team, you're a wonderful team um, of creatives and that it's, um, if I got it right, like a female lead writers, uh, director of photography, editor, Mm -hmm. producer, Mm -hmm. have I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we had a wonderful team and also a lot of women on the crew, you know, um, when um, our heads of department went out, you know, trying to crew find their crew, um, you know, of course, a lot of women wanted to work on it because the the story resonated with them, and um, you know, they felt that it was, you know, reflected some some of their life experience, and so yeah, it had it had a lot of strong response from the female crew, not just the creatives, mm. but the crew as well. Mm, mm. 
and uh, it came out of didn't it New, uh, New Zealand Film Commission the 125 fund yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I get it it was 2018 that was 125 years since women had the suffrage yeah mm, yeah we got the 125 fund um, and then uh, we quickly realised that that um, we probably needed a little bit more money yeah. <laughs> um, just be, you know just you know being what it costs and also to pay people well you know well not well but just pay them actually uh, so we had to uh, source a little bit more funding um, to make it and um, yeah it was but we're you know it was great to be able to take you know the money from a 125 film and then make a film like this yeah yeah so exciting and it was released at Tribeca in New York yeah yeah we got our um, our um, international debut at the Tribeca Film Festival uh, which was fantastic and um because you know in the releasing a film during COVID is kind of a sort of like the worst, worst case scenario that you could probably imagine because many of the festivals either didn't go or they went online or they had a very reduced slate like they took you know a fraction of the films um so to get into Tribeca was an enormous relief did you consider delaying it or was it delayed or how, um, how did it work no we 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 didn't delay but um we we you know we submitted um to Tribeca um and then we also submitted to uh Melbourne and Sydney which are supposed to be and they, the film's playing there fingers crossed if those two festivals go ahead um, but no, Tribeca was fantastic and it was really great because um, Essie and Thomason got a special mention uh, for the Nora Ephron Award for their, their performances, which I'm so thrilled about for them. Mm-hmm. And did you, was it the response that you expected from Tribeca? Like, were you happy with the reviews? And Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was uh, one of the jurors actually reached out to me over Instagram and told me that it was her favourite film of the whole festival and that she loved it. So, you know, there has been a really good response. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We all have an inner critic. Like, how how do you... uh, This is your first feature film. Uh, how, How have you dealt with navigating this new role, this film? Oh, to be honest, I'm just sort of looking at it as a the next stage of the production. You know, production has many phases. Um, you know, you do the shoot, the prep, and then the shoot, and then the post, and then the, the the music and everything. And this is sort of like the next stage. It's the you know the launch and the yeah the release. So it's sort of a yeah yeah. Well, that's, that doesn't. So it was like releasing. A baby or releasing a creative, you know, act out into the world. It is, yeah. I mean, I've lived with this film for so long now. It's it's what I would call a very long gestation. Uh, so it's nice to be able to, yeah, send it out into the world. And I'm I'm clear. There's activism in you. Like you you care about a lot of issues. Um, what sustains you in your activism? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I always think of, I like to think of, and what I always often respond to is, you know, is art, is activism. Um, you know, you you have a tattoo of uh, Frida and 
you know, she she always had a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and so it's. I like it's strong a, women and strong women. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It is, it is telling stories about things that matter to me, and that stories that maybe won't get told unless somebody like myself or somebody who cares about those kind of issues, um, you know, has the has the platform to to tell them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what does being a woman mean to you? Oh my goodness! What does a woman mean being to me? I I don't know. I don't I don't think about being a woman to be honest. Mm. Um, um, I can see what it means for other women though, very acute, you know, very clearly. Um, I'm kind of fortunate in that. Um, I'm you know I am not in a situation like Bunny is in. I'm in a very privileged situation. I'm, you know, I'm. I have my independence. I have a partner at the same time who's also very supportive of what I do. Um, but for me, that's uh, probably using the privilege that I have to, um, in whatever way I can, try and support the women who don't have as much privilege. Yeah, come. We we'll come back to telling stories, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's there's incredible women who work in communities, and we met some last night who work at the coalface uh, in their local communities, and they're the ones that are actually um, picking up the, you know, the gaps, filling up those gaps where, you know, maybe the the government support is not um, quite reaching them or in the way that, that it needs to, and there you'll find in every community that there's those women, you know, in Thames where I live, there's some amazing women who run. Um, Fariki Manawahine, Oharaki, and they are there, you know, twenty four seven, you know, meeting that need in their community, supporting those women, you know, run, doing food drops, mm. running the safe houses, um, you know, and I sort of look at them and go, they're the they're the heroes as well, you know. I'm just a storyteller, but um, those women are doing the hard yards at the coalface. Yeah, they are heroes. Thank you. We're going to finish with. Uh, a song that you've chosen, Tao, We Are We the Common. What inspired you to um, choose that song? I love that song. There's something about the song. Uh, she actually, that uh, singer, she went and met these women inmates in a prison. And this was a song that she wrote for them. Uh, and there's something so beautiful and spirited about it that when I heard it, I thought that's the, that's the spirit of this character. And I used it as a kind of a touchstone through the film to the joy and the hope of it. Um, Really, really stuck with me. Beautiful. Thank you for your time. Thank you. If I burn my youth, would it come to me? Oh, love, won't you bite my eye? I miss the sweet garden man, baffle a skeleton dry. All they wanted was a villain, a villain, and all they had was me. All they wanted was a villain, a villain, so then they just took me. Hold my county line, get down on my city floor. I will suffer no humans, they've been my habit before. Oh, oh, I have an earth to shake and tumble and tremble for what the people do take.
love, won't you bat my eye? I miss the sweet garden men, baffle a skeleton dry. All they wanted was a villain, a villain, and all they had was me. All they wanted was a villain, a villain, so then they just took me. Hey!